Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of College Basketball Weekly here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ over there in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, fellow University of Tennessee alum, Nye himself, stats by will.substack.com. Subscribe today if you are not already. What are you doing? If you're not, sat, wow, stats by will.substack.com. <laughs> Subscribe today during the heart of this college basketball season. Will Warren, good evening, sir. How are you? Doing great. You know, sales are going up. Mm-hmm. Subscribers are going up. All thanks to this podcast, I think. Uh, I, whatever I can do, man. I want you to have the number one college basketball newsletter on the internet. That is my goal. Well, I think we're getting pretty close. I'm quite happy with the response from people. And, you know, like this week, I've kind of taken on some of my enemies, aka aggregators, the what is the bill simmons quote he's like those effing aggregators or whatever it's, mm-hmm. it is a, i don't remember what it was but now the accounts that are like you have to be top 40 and top 37 in defense or whatever on ken palm to win the title mm-hmm. so i read a whole piece about that this week and that's been getting you know some buzz but i'm always thankful to anybody who clicks anybody who gives it a shot anybody mm-hmm. who gives me more time to think about our new project cold chase mm-hmm. and i saw a great cold chase on the tl this week um, did you do you remember, because I honestly had forgotten until I saw this tweet, uh, Tulsa making the NCAA tournament in 2016? Yes, because it was, uh, what's his name, Heath? Uh, was it? Um... Frank, Frank Heath, yes. Heath, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do you remember, I completely forgot about this part, one of the players tweeting like 48 hours before the selection show at a friend being like, they're like, are you going to March Madness? He's like, nah, bro, we got blown out by Memphis. I do and not then, remember that at all. Yeah. Two days later, they're in the tournament. Mm-hmm. I gotta find. I gotta hunt it down. It was on SB. Speaking Nation of teams not making the tournament, yeah, the the Memphis Tigers. Um, I gotta think of more cold chases going forward. There you go. Um, I know a cold chase. The entire collegiate basketball program in the state of Georgia very cold right now. Mm. Uh, I've got that one. I've got um, Juwan Howard's uh, Coach of the Year trophy from the mm-hmm. COVID year. That okay. one, we're we're looking for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, we got plenty. We got people still trying to figure out uh, where Jerry Stackhouse went wrong. Mm-hmm. So a lot of good cold chases out and about for people to explore on their own time. I mean, Hurley winning a road uh, road game against a ranked team. Still looking <laughs> that is for that one, one of the stranger stats of all time. <laughs> Two titles, no wins over uh, ranked teams in that era. I love that. Yeah, th- that's what that's one of those where it's like only in college basketball could that exist. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, sir. Speaking of coaches and hot seats and stuff, I wanted to start here. They, especially this, is very topical. So, so shout out to Kentucky for uh, what happened in Baton Rouge uh, this week, uh, Will, because it makes it even more topical about you know the state of the Kentucky Wildcats basketball program. Obviously, a lot of talent, more lottery picks uh, this cycle um, going into the draft with Tillingham and Shepard, and then. I mean, the DJ Wagner stuff has been weird. A lot of that's injury related, uh, unfortunately for him and for Kentucky. But it's it seems like it's ramping up whether or not John Calipari is really on the hot seat in Lexington. And I thought it would be fun to parse through here at the top of kind of like a pro con of moving on from John Calipari potentially after the year if Kentucky elected to do that. And I think 
for folks like fans obviously are are all over the place when it comes to this and i'm like rival fan bases have their thoughts on cal perry and the kentucky program but i do think it's a lot more complicated i think every like when i talk to people around uh, the country with how in depth how much they know about just hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Every single coach, like when I'm talking to Billy yesterday about Vanderbilt and I'm talking and like what is all in play there. There's just so many different layers and so many different aspects to moving on from a coach and what uh, that entails. And also we've seen so many times the grass is not always greener where it's like, Hey, yeah, it sounds good in theory. You're Kentucky basketball. You're this, that, and the other, you should be able to get the best coach on the market. What if you don't, what if you hire someone who is significantly worse than Calipari? Because that's very much a possibility. He won't recruit probably at the same level as Cal. Um, It's going to be really hard to keep up on that regard. So I just thought it would be interesting to get your full perspective here on Calipari, the job he's done this year in particular, and just the pro con of his future at uh, at Kentucky in the most measured way possible. Well, I, I think, you know, we think back to last year and the, cause we kept getting all of these things like, you know, I, I swear this was a thing of like 2022, 23, this was Cal's best coaching job. Mm. I was like, what? <laughs> I was just like, are you sure about that? They had the national player of the year and they went to a six seed. You're sure that's a good coaching job? Um, but I actually thought what of all people, Matt Jones actually had a pretty cogent take on this of, you know, the first 10 years of Cal were great. Like mm-hmm. first 10 years of Cal, obvious blue blood, obvious top five program in the nation. Like, yeah, you only have the one title, but if I'm recalling correctly, you had four final fours to go with it. That is it. I mean, any school in America doesn't matter what their name is, would be thrilled with one national title and four final fours in a 10-year span. Everyone would be over the moon with that. That's a great run. But the last five years, I think we can all safely agree. And, you know, we'll see about, you know, if he comes back for year six next year. I, I haven't really heard anything about him being on the quote-unquote hot seat. I guess it would just be like a one of those like mutual parting of ways things of anything. But mm. You know, I think the easiest way to do it, so you can go to beloved Bart Torvik's website, you know, sort from 2019 to present. And, you know, not only does Kentucky rank 20th in efficiency over the last five years and 23rd in wins above bubble, there are four, sorry, three, three SEC programs better than them in that span of time. 
Hmm. Not at all the case the first 10 years of Calipari's tenure. So you've gone from being the class of the SEC and the class of the nation, really. I think people would say they're, like I said, at minimum, a top five yearly team to, you know, you're barely top 20. And in the average year, you're like scrapping it out to just get a double buy in the SEC tournament. Like outside of the year we lost to St. Peter's, you really haven't been nationally relevant in the last mm-hmm. five seasons. This year, you've been close because you were top five, top six for a really long time. But there was not a stretch of time consistently where the play on the court lined up with the AP poll ranking, I would say. Hmm. So I think he's made good changes. I think the offense looks better, obviously. It helps when you have all these natural-born scorers. But like we can say all that about like when Dillingham goes nuts or Reeves goes nuts. But like clearly Reed Shepard was a terrific scout. No one mm-hmm. thought he was going to be anything like what he's been. And it's helped covered up the fact that DJ Wagner and Justin Edwards have both been frankly, really underwhelming pieces. Aaron Bradshaw too. Aaron Bradshaw has not popped off whatsoever, but I, I think he's done a good job offensively at the John Welch hire seemed to help a lot in this regard, but there's some axes that are wearing thin. The defense is obviously the key piece uh people were like really rushing to say it was fixed after the auburn win after the last three teams had shot 20 percent from three mm-hmm. and a uh, shocker lsu 45 percent from three last night so uh not fixed but b- beyond that it's you know kyle tucker and cj moore highlighted this at the athletic it's more than just the numbers it's the slow closeouts it's the poor communication it's the overall feeling and I, I went to also our beloved Evan Miyakawa's site to look this mm-hmm. up. I, if I'm recalling correctly, Kentucky's top used lineup is does not rank in the top 25 of total possessions used in the SEC. Hmm. Which to me, so you can blame that on injuries a little bit because like, you know, Trey Mitchell's been out. Rob Dillingham missed a game. Tiro's missed a few. Wagner's missed a few. You know, you didn't have Bradshaw for a good bit. But more so than that, we're now, it's February 22nd when we're recording this, and it still does not look like there's a single five-man lineup that Kentucky appears 100% confident in on both ends of the court. Hmm. They just don't, you compare that with Tennessee, who seems to play the same five guys for half of a game. Yeah. And like, you know, live with it or die with it. Those guys have chemistry and they do work together on both ends. I struggle to like you see the miscommunications, the poor switching because Kentucky, you'll notice on game reviews, they point to switch. I'm trying to get mm-hmm. on the camera here. They did the point switch. It's nonverbal. A lot of teams do that and do it just fine. Kentuckys are frequently very late. And I wonder if this is part all being freshmen or mostly being freshmen and part just not having much time to work with each other because like, again, February 22nd, Kentucky is still running out a 10 man rotation on the average night. That's not how it's supposed to work. Like the Cal teams of old that you and I remember, those guys were like a tight seven mm-hmm. by the end of February, pretty much every year. And so why do you think Cal's doing that still? I think it could be anything. It could be stubbornness because, you know, again, February 22nd, why is Rob Dillingham not starting? Mm-hmm. Why is Reed Shepard just now getting like high level starters minutes? You know, why is he still so committed to playing two bigs together when it clearly is not working for Kentucky on the defensive end? Uh, I think some of it is stubbornness. Some of it is obviously just injuries. Like they, I don't believe have made it to like opening tip of a game this year with the night one full roster available, Mm -hmm. which is something, but it's like, 
if you're Kentucky and you have all this talent that the people say you have, Trey Mitchell should not be the catastrophic loss. Like Adu Tiro missing a few games should not be a catastrophic loss. Aaron Bradshaw missing seven games, that shouldn't be a catastrophic loss. If all three happen at the same time, that's significant. One at a time, like you deal with it. That's why you rebuilt the roster. That's why you brought in all these key pieces. And I, I don't know if it's a lack of trust that he has in these freshmen or what, but it's, you know, I just struggle to see like why isn't Dillingham like playing 35 minutes a night right now? Why isn't Shepard playing 35 minutes a night? I mean, they won't take DJ Wagner out of the starting lineup. Why? Mm. What, what, what does he give you that Reed Shepard or Dillingham doesn't? Do you think it improves? Do you think Cal adjusts and we do get to that seven-man lineup by tournament time? Do you think he does eventually flip the script? And then if he does, who's what's the best thing he could do? Like if you're Kentucky, what's the best five and maybe the best seven um, and maybe the most dangerous seven come tournament We're going to say fully healthy Kentucky. Yes. And obviously that's a leap of faith at this point. Uh, I do hold the opinion that if you have injuries every single year like Kentucky does, you might want to look inward at your strength and conditioning staff to see what's going on there. Cause it seems like yeah. a lot of, you know, minor injuries that keep piling up. It's like Ohio state football. I think their best five and, you know, I'm not the one paid to figure out how to fit these guys together. So best of luck, but I think you go Shepard and Dillingham, the guards Reeves, mm. Tiro and Mitchell. I think those are the five best guys in March. I think those are the five guys you've got to ride People are going to say, well, you need Onyenso out there to protect the rim. Okay, great. What does Onyenso give you offensively? Absolutely nothing other than offensive rebounds. What does Big Z give you? Nothing other than memes. What does Aaron Bradshaw give you? I'm not sure he gives you much on either end right now. So I, I think you kind of, you almost have to look at it like Alabama's decided to look at it, where they have accepted the fact that they're not going to be a rim protection team this year. And they're simply just going to go hassle the ball you know, make you uncomfortable on the perimeter, deal with the foul trouble and try and score 95 every single game. That might just be their best path because I don't really see a way where this defense fixes itself. But I do see a path where, like, can they string together two, three good performances in a row and suddenly, you know, six seed Kentucky's in the Elite Eight? Sure. Mm. Like, it's plausible. I just don't think it's a great bet at this point. They're just so weird. Are you out? Like, if Kentucky made the Final Four, would you be floored? I wouldn't be floored. Um, okay. I think at that point, well, because Miami made it last year, right? Mm -hmm. I was way, I was way more shocked by Miami than I would be by Kentucky, because mm -hmm. Miami's defense was god awful. Yeah, and they they rode a pretty good streak of shooting luck to that Final Four, but that's how it works. Like sometimes you get hot, sometimes you get lucky. That's fine. That's basketball. Um. I wouldn't be as shocked if Kentucky did it just because they're way more talented and they're so young that like at any random moment, this could all snap into place. But, you know, when you haven't seen Kentucky string together four really good performances in a row, basically all season, I, I just hesitate to see where it would come from kind of out of nowhere, aside from randomly getting white hot. I like it. Um, bubble bump this week, sir. Uh, which school is less on the bubble uh, or more on the bubble following what's happened since our last recording? I think that it's kind of, it hasn't been like a super eventful week for bubble teams. There's mostly who's still on it is still on it. But I think a team doing themselves some solids just 
by doing the anti-bubble team thing and not screwing up the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Mm. So they've won three in a row. Have any of those three wins been impressive? No, it's Michigan, Penn State, and Indiana, which are like pretty widely considered the dregs of the Big Ten. But I mean, Penn State's over here on top of the world, Will That's true. Uh, And if you listen to Illinois sports writers, that was Penn State's Super Bowl. So there's no jealousy there at all. But um, no, I think more importantly, like you take an average bubble team and those three, you know, the first two are at home, Indiana was on the road. Average bubble team probably drops one, mm-hmm. right? You would say like they just, you're on the bubble for a reason. You're probably going to screw up. Nebraska not screwing up and pulling that off is terrific. That solidifies their positioning. And honestly, the rest of the schedule shapes up pretty nicely for them where they, uh, this is the rest of the schedule. Home Minnesota, Road Ohio State just fired their head coach. I know Ohio State beat Purdue, but that is like the traditional new manager bounce game. Uh, home Rutgers Road, Michigan. Like, I don't want to predict it because it's Nebraska, but we could very easily be looking at 23 and 8 Nebraska come the start of the Big Ten tournament, which is like they're locked into the field at that point. There's nothing they could do to fall out. I, uh, I think Nebraska is going to be fun. I, I think they're mm-hmm. a team that, like, what what's their seed? Like, where, who, based on like current matchups and stuff, who would be like, who should be like a really nervous about drawing Nebraska in the first round? So, well, one right now, so Nebraska is at about an 11 on bracket mm-hmm. matrix. I think it, I, if they went four, no, they'd be a 10 and like probably yeah. a nine, maybe though. They mm-hmm. wouldn't like, the thing is like, you're not really adding substance to your record. You're just adding volume. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how much it helps, but like 23 and eight, it's hard to put a big 10 team at 23 and eight at a 10 seed. Yeah. But let's say they are. And let's say a certain team in blue and white north of us is a seven seed, which is kind of trending that way. Uh, I don't think if I'm Kentucky, I'm exactly thrilled to see Nebraska on the other side of the line. Because with all the wide open shots Kentucky gives up, with as badly as Kentucky's looked on defense for large stretches of this year, with as much like, like you think about that game, Nebraska is going to be going into that so much more carefree than Kentucky will be. Kentucky is going to have a lethal amount of pressure on their backs to win this hypothetical game. Whereas mm. Nebraska is like, no one thought we would be here. You know, we want to win, obviously, but we have nothing to lose. The other team on the side, the team on the other sideline hasn't been to a sweet 16 since COVID hit. And that's like a thing they do basically every year. So I would love to see that as a matchup. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i excited uh, for them. And hey, Fred Hoiberg, he's like the, is he the lone ex-NBAer who's having success and actually turning the corner at the college game? Is it just him? Um, there's probably one I'm forgetting. <laughs> I would have to ponder it because I don't think as because like since Jawan has you know petered out, it's been hard to pick out the former NBA guys who have like really thrived. I mean, Jawan, Jerry, Penny, like we're going up yeah. and down the. It's Penny not good. Not, I would so I would make the argument Penny has at least restored like a sanity level, but mm. he's not been very good. I will say like technically, if you want to stretch the definition of former NBA player, Mark Pope at BYU does count as a success story. Okay, he I was a draft pick. He was number yeah. fifty-two, but he was a draft pick. I, I can't so. do this in good in good faith. I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> Are we going to do this with like Greg Paulus uh, wherever he goes? It's like Greg a, Paulus didn't play in the NBA. Right? He played football. That's what I'm saying. But he's a pro- ex athlete. The ex athlete who comes. He is back an ex athlete. Ex professional athlete. Yeah. 
But no, um, I, I like them. I think, you know, I, I was out on Hoiberg last year, but I do feel like they've found something. The thing is going to be like, can you sustain it once uh, Tomonaga leaves and some of these other key dudes leave? Mm. Um, but they're doing the right things. I think they've done a really good job there. And it just feels like the vibes there feel very good in a way they haven't in a while. Speaking of teams we haven't thought about in a while here, Will Warren, South Florida, the University of South Florida, who beats FAU. And now everyone's just looking around like they're going to be the ultimate like water cooler team. I think Will Warren come come March where everyone's like, who's your who's your sleeper? Who's your Cinderella this year? I think South Florida is going to get a lot of buzz because I think people are going to remember FAU's run last year. And they're like, I think they're this year's FAU. Like, I think South Florida is going the distance. I think they're going to be a very popular office pool uh, Cinderella team. But what say you? See, it would have been Indiana State had they not taken that loss last mm. week to uh, Illinois State, right? Yeah. It was, a, it was a quad four loss, whatever it was. But it would have for sure been Indiana State. Yeah. Because people would be like, oh, Larry Bird School. Mm-hmm. I'm picking them as an 11 seed. Yes, it might, it might still be Grand Canyon because Grand Canyon does have 700,000 students or whatever it is. But um, I love the South Florida team, man. They're really fun. I I hesitate to say like they're going to make the tournament because like they're still they're still like not really on the radar at large wise. Uh, so I've been searching far and wide, and I've yet to see somebody put them in as an at large. They're like they're obviously one of the higher uh, you know automatic qualifiers. They're like a high twelve, low eleven. They're in. They are in like the Grand Canyons uh, zone, but I, I like them. Am I convinced they're like a great team? Probably not. But am I convinced that they're really fun? Absolutely. That so they won twelve why, straight. They've won twelve straight. I will say I'm hesitant because out of all the teams in the nation who have played ten or more games decided by six or less, USF has the best record at nine mm-hmm. and two. So they've gotten some good luck. Like. I went to look this up on our also beloved Hoop Explorer. Mm-hmm. I would love for you to guess the shoot the three point shooting percentage of USF opponents in the final six minutes of games where the scoring margin is six or less. Twelve mm. percent. You're right on it. Twelve percent. Are you serious? There we go. So that's Chase how that's how they're making ball. it a little bit in these close games. So, uh, but this is there's a team or two like this every year. And if it's going to be anybody, I'm thrilled it's USF. Like, Amir Abdurrahim, awesome coach. Kennesaw State probably should have won that game last year in the tournament. They came awful close. Um, the and you real... saw what Kennesaw's without him. Uh, we'll see Petway if he can get better. But right now, I, I think they'll be okay long term. Yeah. But the, the thing is now, so they're going to accomplish step one of you they're probably going to win the conference right like i mean the regular season bid it's yeah. not a lock but like when i go to barktor.com where you can sort the stats usf 84 percent chance of a title share 56 percent of an outright bid so like they're we'll say they're more likely than not to be the one seed and i think even with the new nit machinations that still gets them at least an nit bid in year one which mm-hmm. is awesome um but that's but, a that's a deflating ending. If they after all this to still get an NIT bid, mm. maybe. But that's a I, I don't think so. I feel like that's a huge like improvement over what it was. I don't. I I get that, but like you're just having this great. I don't know. You won twelve straight. You're streaking at yeah, the right like time. You should aim for the stars, but yeah. But the the problem for them is less regular season, more like the AAC conference tournament is shaping up to be really spicy. 
So hmm. uh, again, Bart Torvik, these are the adjusted like scoring margins of hmm. teams in conference play only. And I'm just going top eight teams here because I want to I want to show like how tight it is because we usually yeah. don't have conferences like this. USF plus nine, Charlotte plus eleven, SMU plus sixteen, Rob Lanier and the boys, FAU plus nine, UAB plus six, Memphis plus seven, North Texas plus eleven, East Carolina, Mike Schwartz and the boys plus five. Those are eight teams that could legitimately win the auto bid. Yeah, it's I mean that's a and again, on Torbic, he gives six teams a 6% chance or better of winning the conference tournament. Like, they are going to have to scrap and claw to get through it. But if they do, they are going to have more than they're in their spot in the field. So this is an f- interesting game. We talk about, like, Memphis is now on the wrong side. They're going to probably have to win the tournament, the AAC, to get in, it seems like. Who is safe from not having to win the tournament to make it? Is it just FAU? Yeah, I, I still don't feel like FAU is safe. Safe. I, I mean, like they can't lose out. That, that's like okay. we'll just say we'll say like yeah, it's like they can't lose out. But I mean, I'm just looking at the rest of their schedule here. If they go like, so it's home SMU tonight at Memphis, mm-hmm. home Tulane at North Texas, home Memphis. If you go four and one, like you're obviously in. So three and two, you're probably still in anyway. So I think FAU is about the only team that could survive. There's been a little SMU buzz mm. rising up because their metrics are really good, but they don't have yeah. good wins. So hmm. I, I is think BJ Edwards playing for them at all. I haven't seen much of SMU this year. BJ Edwards is like a not a huge piece. He's he plays, but he's like mm. a sixth man type. Um, but no, I mean they're it's going to be a really competitive conference tournament. That'll be one of the more fun ones. This is the nice thing when. And this is just, I think, how it's going to be in the new AAC. Mm. There's no great teams, but there's a lot of like fine ones. And in football, I don't think that's good. In basketball, I think it's awesome because that means yeah. like basically every year your conference tournament is going to be like really good. Who's the most fun option of winning the tournament, uh, the AAC tournament, and then sneaking into the big dance? Who Who's the most fun for you? The chaos. Uh, it's, team. Not, it's obviously USF, but I do have a spot mm. in my heart for Charlotte. Doing yeah. it with an interim, I think that would be pretty awesome. Like if in, interim coach Charlotte gets in, that's something that a lot of people won't forget because that'll be a really, really cool. I mean, he got the he got the full time job, but that'd be a really cool celebration. That's something you never see. So I think that would be nice. I think yeah. anything aside from, I will say, I really don't want this Memphis team to get in, not because I'm a hater, but because they are like just the least enjoyable team to watch. Yeah. They, they, and um, who am I thinking of? Arkansas, Memphis, and Arkansas. I would love to put them in like an NIT tournament, but they just play each other six times mm. to see which team hates its own team more. Like, what? Which players harm their own players first? If you put those two in a room, I also love that Charlotte's committing to the bit, coaching wise. Mm-hmm. Where if you Google. UNC Charlotte basketball coach. Mm-hmm. Guess we're going to play a game. Guess what the suggested next uh, word is when you Google that. Is it? Uh, it's not Buzz Peterson. Because um, he was Wilmington. UNC it's one Sh- word. Basketball coach. Australia? Nope. Do you want me to tell you? Yes. Hairline. I've never noticed this about here. So the new one, and I can do this 
as someone who has a very struggling hairline. You have that's the new not coach. That bad. That's okay. Look, that's not that bad. I'm sorry. Do you remember Alan Major? Vaguely. Okay, I need you to look up Alan Major, and I'm going to get okay, now. That is terrible. <laughs> now, okay, I do remember Alan Major. I thought you were referring to the new guy who's like no most both, but that's the thing. It's like both of them. So he's going through. I just so if you look at that's, it, he that's has the not, same. this one's not as bad. That's like LeBron plus seven levels. No, but either way, it's just kind of funny. I I want them to own. We should have our, our, our like our own our own spot. This balding men. We have to have some kind of landing spot here, Will Warren. And I appreciate you. And- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. See Charlotte being the, <laughs> the balding coach factory. See, I, I would like for there to be Andrew Weatherman from Twitter and I were joking about this, about like a historic uh, mascots bracket mm-hmm. and how like the, the animal versus racism region would go pretty crazy. <laughs> Um, but if you did this for coaches where it's like mm. balding versus bearding, where it's like one like one of the like they're balding but they don't want to quit, or yeah. but then there's some coaches out there, not as many these days, but there's still some where they're trying a beard, but it's like it's weirdly patchy even at age 47. Yeah. It's me I think that would be a fun region. 15 years. Um yeah, uh, the beard's not coming in great, uh, Will Warren. Um Speaking of tourney teams, is Wake Forest a tourney team right now to you, Will Warren? I unfortunately think not. It's just like, I really wish they were because the, analytically they're great. Like they're mm. top 25 at Ken Palm, 24th at Torvik. They have a lot of blowouts and have struggled in close games, which is like your traditional path to ranking like this. Mm. The problem is, so they are 12-0 and 0 against quad three and quad four. Four and four against quad two, no problem there. One and five against quad one. The one win, home win over Florida, not a bad one, but you look at some of these opportunities and there's just a lot of missed chances. So the first and foremost one is obviously losing 49-47 at Virginia. That's a blown shot. But there's not just that. There's 77-72 at Pitt. You know, they lost very early in the season at Georgia by three. Didn't seem catastrophic at the time, but if this team was two and four instead of one and five against quad one, I think you'd have a little better of a case for them. Because like right now they're minus 0.1 wins technically below bubble. So I, I want these guys in the field bad because they're really fun. Steve Forbes is a great coach, 
And it seems like he's finally got things rolling there in a sustainable way. But we, if you're like me and you want to see these guys in there, you got to root for them to start picking up some marquee wins because right now at Bracket Matrix, they're the fifth team out of the field. It's not like there's a great bubble ahead of them, but they, you're going to have to start accumulating wins now before it gets late early for you. And they have a decent volume of wins where they're 17 and uh, 17 and nine, but no great ones. Like mm-hmm. home Florida can't be your best win. So they get a great opportunity Saturday where they get Duke at home. They've got two more quad ones where they play at Virginia Tech and home against Clemson. I think at minimum you got to go two and one. You got you go two and one in those, and I think you're in a good enough spot to sneak onto like the first four bubble. Hmm. Are they a sneaky? Do they play in a style that you were like? I think they can win the tournament, the ACC tournament. Yes, I think okay. they could absolutely win the ACC tournament. They got a 15% shot too over at barttorvik.com. Uh, that's the best of any Duke or not or any non-Duke slash UNC team. Hmm. So they're seen as the third best team in the conference, and they're the rare like future incoming 11 seed, we'll say, mm. who's top 40 in both offense and defense. Like that's not a one-sided deal where they can't stop anybody. They're quietly very well rounded and have played very well as of late, top 15 nationally in their last 10 games. So I really want these these guys in it. But it's gonna be on them to pick up some big wins. I like it. Uh Will Warren, just how bad is the Big Ten this year? I was going through it. And it seems kind of unprecedented. Perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with my beautiful Big Ten. It's so bad. Will is the like is this one of the worst Big Ten seasons as a whole? Is uh it's been in a long time, or is that just recency bias here? I think it's recency bias, but I also see where people are coming from. Mm -hmm. So again, you go to the Torvik site. You're gonna you're pretty much looking at like it, it really is just Purdue. Yes. Like Illinois is okay. I think they're going to be fine, but they're fading and are looking like a four seed. That's pretty much it in terms of relevant yeah. teams now that Wisconsin's taken the dip. So the the thing to me is like they feel like an upscale Pac-12 where you've got a legit national championship contender just like the Pac-12 does with Arizona. But you instead of like the Pac-12 having a bunch of teams in the 60s and 70s at Ken Palm, mm-hmm. the Big Ten has like six in the 40 through 59 range, it seems. So... They, they've got a lot of like teams that are scrappy, but not good. Like they have seven different Rutgers this year, which is not really what you want as a conference mm-hmm. ever at any point. But part of this is also, I think it would feel less bad if Michigan state had not underwhelmed to the point they've underwhelmed because if Michigan state had like recovered from that first month or two and like formed themselves back into a four seat or so. And then you had, one seed Purdue, four seed Illinois, four seed Michigan State. Don't think it would feel quite as bad because then you got another national brand up there. And everybody knows if you get Izzo in March for the top four seed, you got to look out because anything can happen there. But it it feels underwhelming and rough just because like you got 14 teams. This is the last time you're going to have the 14 teams before you balloon next year. Yeah. And you're only going to get six in there with maybe four that have a realistic shot at seeing the second weekend. Like I would love to see Nebraska make the sweet 16 just doesn't seem very probable. I wouldn't love to see Northwestern make it, but it's also not probable. So who cares? Um, But I mean, you're kind of looking at another deal where you look up 
and let's say it's the Sweet 16, we'll say the Big 12 puts, I don't know, three in there, three or four feels about right. SEC, the same. And then there you are as the Big 10, and it's like, we have Purdue. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Like, who else in that comp? I mean, like, I would be, I guess I'd be more confident in Illinois if I hadn't watched the last month of Illinois on defense, because their defense is taking a shocking turn for the worse. You just don't feel, I mean, especially Illinois, the vibes seem off there. You have Nebraska. Yeah, the reasons I guess, that broadcasters are uh, politely declining to discuss, I suppose. For sure. It's also, I wonder, it's kind of funny, the inverse. It's like, what does it cost for Ohio State and Michigan to be atop the conference and to dominate everybody in football? Everything for basketball with the state yeah. of affairs there. Well, there's there's like the old joke among Michigan fans of like football and basketball can't be good at the same time. Yeah. And I always thought it was a joke. And now it's like, oh, that is actually real. Like they truly cannot. Also, Iowa's just not like what happened to Iowa. They're just right there in the middle. They're not fun. They need their fun guys back. Iowa used to be fun offense all the time. I enjoyed watching Iowa. I think I actually think this Iowa team's pretty enjoyable. They have been mm. scorching hot the last six games uh, yeah. from the field. And like the the my favorite stat about them right now. So last ten over at mm. Torvik, number thirteen offense, number two thirty in defense. So every Iowa game is still an enjoyable experience. Mm-hmm. They don't have like the top end score that they used to. They don't have like the Garzas or the Murrays. Like they've got three 14 point per game guys, which is fine. Like you can spread the wealth a little bit, but there's no star to hang your hat on. So like, I mean, Tony Perkins is pretty good, but Tony Perkins is no Keegan Murray. Does Northwestern win a tournament game or no? I hope not. I'm trying to not be a hater, but I just don't. I, Boo Booey is awesome, but the rest mm. of that roster just doesn't really get me going. Mm. It's kind of a there. The class, there's how many times that, do they have to show Julia Louis Dreyfus for you to be like, all right, you can get one win. Does she still go to the games? I don't know. I just that's when I think uh, of Northwestern they, tournament. They, games, they show Darren Ravel. I hope they lose by fifty. Jay Adonai just made the Hall of, or Hall of Fame. He did something. He has some big awards. Stuart Mandel being on that would be that'd be rough too. I'd be mm. sweating. But now, no, I, I mean, like they're fine. But it really is just like the whole ship is made out of boo booey and nothing else for the watchability purpose. Whereas like Nebraska, I will be happily rooting for Nebraska to beat whoever they play. That's a fun team. Everybody can get behind Nebraska. I agree. Um take away from the balls and let me just go ahead and tell you well it's been a really weird week for me for tennessee now because sam vicini did a mock draft this week i don't know if you saw it um he had the atlanta hawks my atlanta hawks taking dalton connect at 10 and i almost fell out of my chair because (laughs) i don't know what happens in this scenario i'm all in i immediately get the dalton connect atlanta hawks jersey like trey young dalton connect i'm kind of worried about that partnership i don't know what that looks like but I, that would be that'd be wild so i've had a really weird week in that regard just thinking like oh that's actually on the radar that's a possibility the falcon or the falcons the hawks can draft dalton connect in the lottery and that's cool and exciting um so we'll see that's mo- we're monitoring that on this podcast for the next couple months here will warn but look speaking of connect the reason i brought that up is because connects being mocked there now top 10 which is pretty wild thinking about it before what we thought expectations wise before the year but top 10 is not out out of the question now for him but tennessee has another tough road sec game because that's just what it is um those midweek road games and you had a funny um i think it was a bear like putting his head like uh, after the win where 
a win's a win. And you just you get out of Mizzou, regardless of what kind of season Mizzou's had. They they owned you last year, um, and you're able to um, fix that. But you know, Dalton Connect saves you, and he has a stretch that just kind of separates uh, Tennessee from the game. And he comes back from a terrible first half and um, finds his rhythm and shows that why he's a lottery guy. If those guys just come out of nowhere, and you live with the defensive issues, and you live with um, you know it not always being perfect sometimes for Tennessee, and it just is, was another reminder to me that this year's Tennessee team is just different than so many Tennessee teams in the past because they just find different ways to win and they're really, really hard to just put away for an entire game. Like they just, they just are. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, like the, it was annoying in the moment, obviously, but mm. you know, winning only by five at Missouri is not one of those things that's going to get me, you know, hot and bothered, I guess, in a negative manner. Mm. It's like uh, how little people or how quickly people forget, like UConn had to scrap it out for 40 minutes on the road with Georgetown last year. Yeah. Like Alabama almost lost to one of the worst SEC teams I've ever seen last year's South Carolina group on the road. Mm. Uh, it happens. It's conference play. Like in the common theme there, they're all midweek games. Midweek road games are a great recipe to sleepwalk your way to the most boring victory of all. And like, they it also i was saying this to my wife like before the game started i really don't enjoy the situation from the tennessee side because they have nothing to gain whatsoever from this game it is entirely like zoo's got nothing to lose that's like row and 12 what's going to happen we're going to go 0 and 13 so they played a lot looser than tennessee did and mm. i thought that was what you saw for about the first 25 minutes for connect stepped up and took over but no, I don't take as much from it. It was annoying, but it's, you know, conference basketball. But now I'm with you. I think this is, it's a different team in a good way where the problem we saw the last couple of years and really post-COVID was Tennessee just mightily struggled. It seemed like against every good team to generate good twos. Mm. Like they didn't have a guy who could hit difficult shots and they couldn't hit shots at the rim. They'll still miss layups from time to time because of who they have. But like your two point percentage right now is right under 53%. Mm -hmm. So not only is that the best since the Grant and Admiral team, that's the best in 15 years, excluding that team at Tennessee. That's all it takes. Like Tennessee's yeah. offense just has to be a top 20 unit for people to be like, oh, this team actually could make the final four because you know the defense is going to be the defense every single night. Mm. Like maybe they get, you know, three point variance from time to time, like they did with A&M, but it's not a consistent thing. No. And I, I think one of the, I mean, I really, I've emphasized in this program that the one seed's really important to me. Like, I think that they need to be pushing for the one seed and just how much of a difference maker that is in terms of their final four chances to me. Um, it's just paramount. And then also, this final four stretch of games, like their final four here, you got to take care of business, but I'm not worried about checkering uh, TBA on Saturday and getting A&M back They're They've lost three straight and they're reeling a little bit. And I don't see Rick Barnes getting swept by A&M this year. So I, I feel pretty good about that game, but the next four, I think you have to go three and one to keep the number one seed hopes alive. And then you probably still have to win the tournament. I think you, even though you might not because Tennessee showed two years ago that I was going to say, I'm a firm believer in the conference tournament being totally meaningless. Yeah. So maybe you just check out <laughs> early and you're like, I'm going to get I, some rest. I, I said this for a month now. 
perfect idea is Tennessee wins the regular season uh, conference title and then dips on Saturday in the yeah. semifinals. Just get the extra day of rest. Who cares? Yeah. Tennessee fans will not be happy, though. It's like one of those things where, like, it doesn't matter, but if they go out in the semifinals, it's stable. Oh, and yeah. it, I, it's the protagonist of history. No, I'm just mm-hmm. kidding. Now, well, uh, the, pro- the problem for Tennessee with the one seed is, like, so the top three are well locked in. I don't think much mm. of anything beyond, like, a team-wide catastrophe can stop Purdue, Houston, or UConn. Yeah. So it comes down to Arizona, and Arizona's schedule is just so, you know, limp down the, the stretch here that they're probably not going to lose. Though if they do lose, it's going to be such a bad loss that it helps Tennessee out quite a yeah. bit. So you have to root for that. But the the problem is, like, if Tennessee goes 4-1, and one, I don't know if that's enough to take advantage. To get the one seed, mm-hmm. you probably do have to win out. And then, I mean, but what if they went out and Arizona wins out? Does it go to Tennessee? Because they would definitely have the better resume. Yeah, I think at that point it goes to Tennessee. Because if you, okay. you went out, you've got the better resume. And when we yeah. say went out, we just mean the regular season. Yeah, just because, again, conference tournament, until proven otherwise, is completely yeah. meaningless. That's pretty good. Uh, and that's doable. I mean, it's not, it's just, I, I just, until I see Alabama winning at Alabama, I'm just, I can't circle that one. It just, there's... It, it's a tough place to play. It's the best SEC home uh, atmosphere. It shouldn't say atmosphere. It's just the best. I mean, it, they just, the wins speak for themselves. Like Alabama has one loss in like their last, what, 29, 30 SEC games uh, yeah. at home. So it's just, it's going to be a tough well, place Florida, to play. But Florida almost got him. Yeah. I know almost is nothing, but it's still like they controlled that game for a good while. Uh, yeah. I will, I will clarify, like if Arizona loses a game, I do think, that that is the only thing that can open the door. If they win out, it's over. Don't worry about it. But if Arizona, but you're can... still saying if Tennessee wins out and Arizona wins out, you now would say Arizona still gets the one seed. I, I that it's it is going to come down to how much you value total losses too, because like Arizona would have, I believe, two fewer, no, one fewer loss on the season mm-hmm. than Tennessee would, and a superior conference record. But you got to go down to the minutia of. And I'm also just unfortunately a little poison pilled here of thinking the committee is as lazy as they possibly can be, which mm. is generally proven proven to be a pretty wise thing to, you know, believe in. Um final one here before we do our stat of the week here, Will Warren. Your favorite, speaking of Arizona, Arizona State, Kim Pom, Bart Torvik, don't lie this week, the Arizona State Sun Devils, sir. I was right, and I've been right the whole time. I would like an apology from everybody who ranked this team six. Oh, you, uh, oh. Arizona State Media has cut Will Warren out from the hate hard segment on this program. Nope, I still can't hear you, Will. Oh, no, hold on. There he is. There he is. You're back. Okay, back in. Yeah. Uh, I was saying I was right. It was extremely dumb to rank these guys sixth in the Pac 12 mm. Precincts Bowl. Sixth. They were ahead of Washington State. They're ahead of Utah. Mm-hmm. They're ahead of Stanford. I don't care about that. Stanford sucks too. But you think of all the teams that they were ahead of, and there was no reason for this. You knew their offense was going to suck like it always does. You knew they wouldn't have a decent creator on the roster. And you still got fooled again. Mm. Now, that being said, it doesn't seem like old Bobby is going to be their problem much longer. Mm-hmm. Um, he can take his, and this is real, minus 8.9 rebound margin per 100 possessions 
to the next school, which judging from the tea leaves, seems like it's going to be DePaul, which I feel like that's more of a clock reset than anything. So the thing is, like, Hurley is obviously an amazing recruiter, right? He recruited a lot of current NBA guys to Arizona State, a lot of, you know, high-end four- and five-star dudes. And the assumption is, like, if Hurley leaves, he's going to take those guys with him wherever he goes. Mm. If you're Arizona State, I feel like you're like, okay, have fun. (laughs) And let's say he leaves. Because, to be honest, and we love honesty on this program, got no interest in talking about the 23-24 Arizona State Sun Devils. God-awful team. Won't be in the NIT. They can buzz off. Um, I do have interest in figuring out who Arizona State hires next. So... Well, can we also say this, too, in terms of the Hurley departure, potentially to DePaul, if that's what happens? Mm Mm-hmm. You want to get out now, no matter what, because the Big 12's coming, and you're going to the toughest league in the sport, and it's yeah, you're already you having not, the season from hell. You don't you, want to walk into the Big 12. What, what is that tweet where it's like, you really don't want to be out here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's what's that's, happening that's, here. That's, that's Bobby Hurley at Arizona State. You do not mm-hmm. want to be out here. Yeah, 100%. And like, we so, think Utah will be okay. We think uh, when they move to the Big 12. Colorado will be fine. Colorado, Colorado will be, be fine. Good. Arizona State will not be fine. No, <laughs> that not with this current regime. No. So 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 let's say we're going to make the I don't think it's a leap of faith anymore. It seems like the writings on the wall that mm-hmm. one way or another, Bobby Hurley's at a different job in a couple of months. Yeah, um, I think you obviously got to give Bryce Drew a, sh- a shot. Give him a call because he's at Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon is may pound for pound be an easier and better job at this point, especially because they are like a mm. very money money late in mid-major, I would say. Like, they're easily the best funded out of the black teams. Mm. So he could have it pretty cushy there, and maybe he's fine with that. But, like, take a swing at it. You never know. Yeah. The one that always interests me when these sort of regional, you know, Pac-12 country searches come up, and I don't think you would do it for the obvious reason that they're about to move to the Big 12, but you would at least have to kick the tires on Randy Bennett at St. Mary's, right? Yeah. Just see what his price is. I mean, that would be a home run hire. Like, if you could that do it, would be an amazing also, hire. I just wonder what the, like, we talk about, like, going into Big 12. Like, obviously, the money should be pretty solid at Arizona State, but you're walking into a spot where I just, it, it, it might be really ugly early on. Do you give Will Wade yeah. a call? I would give Will Wade a call. I think, yeah. So, whenever this eventually happens, you got to give a, a few different guys a shot. I think of him. I think of Bryce. I, mm. Bryce to me, it just feels like a good culture fit too. He's just yeah. a nice guy that would work. Steve Alford at Nevada could be an option because he's That's reset. A name not hurt in a long time, but he's reset his clock in a good way. Like he's made Nevada good again year over year. They're pretty consistent. I, would Nick I don't see, do it. No, not from UCLA. That, that they're going to the Big Ten. Grade. I mean, there's Rumble. He has not had a fun year. He has I know, not had that's a fun year. The one to actually watch here now that I think of it. Um, could be Kyle Smith at Washington State, just because. That's actually a sneaky great one. I love that because there's, it, he, he's going to get like calls from a couple others that'll open like Stanford mm-hmm. and Washington too. But Arizona State specifically makes sense because one, you're not really leaping to a direct rival. Mm-hmm. Two, like you're if you go to Stanford, you're going to be playing in the ACC, which is pretty stupid. At least with ASU, you stay somewhat regional. Yeah, and three. You've already proven you can win at a place that's really hard to win at. Mm-hmm. Arizona State historically is not an easy place to win at. And this guy seems to really like taking tough jobs. 
I, I just feel like that's a good match. I, I think that well, it's also sense. very different, right? Where like a lot of these coaching searches, they go one extremely one way and then extreme the other, where this would be extremely the other way where he has relied on less. Uh, he's not going to be the recruiter that Hurley is like, it's going to be a very, very different approach to finding winning basketball with the Sun Devils. Right. And that yeah. you could see them doing something like that. Yeah. I, I, that kind of feels like the right hire now that I'm thinking on it. Kyle Smith would be a really good one for them. I love it. Uh, as we wrap up here, Will Warren, what is your stat that has caught your eye in college basketball this week, sir? Got two for you. So okay. sorting Torvik since New Year's Day, top four teams in order, Houston, UConn, Purdue, and who is number four? Wait, who are the top three again? Houston, Houston, UConn, Purdue in that order. Since January 1st? Yes. Hmm. It's not Tennessee. One. I'll spoil that. They're they're merely like sixth. It. Okay. Wait, Tennessee sixth? Yeah. Hmm. Um let me think for a second. Hold on. Is it an SEC team still? Not SEC. Okay. Um I'm going to say. This is good radio. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to say Creighton. It's Iowa State. Iowa State. Mm. You're in the same region, though. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. I tweeted this the other day, and we'll see how it holds up because, you know, tweets are forever. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like people are giving enough attention to Iowa State and TJ Otzelberger, who I would pick for National Coach of the Year. Um, Top two defense, top 30 offense. Nine and four in the toughest conference in America, one game back of the lead from Houston, 20 wins. That program was dead in the water when he got there. And he is about to close out year three by being no worse than a three sitting three seed in the NCAA tournament after making the tournament his first two seasons. That man is a great coach. And um, if they got any money lying around, give it to him Mm. and figure out your whole football thing later. Um, the other thing with them, it's not the stat that I was going to use, but they are tied for the most quadrant one win since New Year's Day with six. UConn also has six. But I've got one other stat for you that involves quad one. And it's this. Only one team, a minimum of three opportunities, is undefeated versus quadrant one since New Year's Day. Who would that be? We have talked about this team on our program today. Purdue? Washington State. Oh, no way. 3-0 and in their three mm. opportunities. That's why I said three, because St. Mary's has gone 2-0. and But I felt mm. two was a little... Three is a nicer number. But yeah, Arizona at home in mid-January, Washington on the road earlier this month, and Oregon on the road. They got a mm. fourth chance after the finish, after we finish recording this. And final chance of the 2024 calendar year at Arizona. Don't know if they're going to pull it off. Doesn't seem like they got a great shot. But again, Kyle Smith, terrific head coach. And you've been right on the money about Todd Golden, too. Golden's out here winning a lot of games. Got turn four. People team. are getting worried about Golden. Do not want to face that Florida team in March. No. Really do not. Um. Well, Will Warren, that is all I've got, my friend. What can the good folks check out from you over at statsbywill.substack.com today and this we week? Are, we are blissfully in the time of the year, finally, 
when Tennessee's doing rematches of teams they've already played in the SEC. Mm -hmm. So that makes the previews take half as much time. So I can spam those out, put in a nice B minus effort, and then get to the things I enjoy doing, such as making fun of the, um, which is it, CBK report. That mm -hmm. It's like one of those, like, you know, like how there's the Dove Kleeman account yes. for the NFL, like the aggregator accounts. The one who's yeah. like, you won't believe how good this team was in 2014, those style of accounts. It's like, uh, thanks. I never would have guessed. Mm -hmm. um, making fun of those accounts, but also doing a lot of tournament work coming up. Got our watch list. Uh, I am still eventually going to work on the Vanderbilt series. It might have to be off season, but yeah. I think it might be useful to, in the near future, do a little Kentucky deep dive yeah, and just figure out, you know, like what is the path forward for them? I don't know if it's now or anytime soon, but what a fascinating school to try and figure out. I agree. Well, go subscribe today at stats by will, uh, stats by will dot .com. Type in your email that easy. That simple as we make the newsletter, the number one college basketball newsletter website on the internet each and every day. Will, thank you as always, my friend. And I will talk to you next week. Thanks for having me on. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.